listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates i'm sarah Golseth. Yeah, we get to go international again today yes excited to uh, talk with some of our international friends and uh, share their story with you today thanks to concordia university wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu live uncommon joining us today the reverend matthew wood serving the lord in indonesia pastor wood thanks so much for being our guest thank you for having me so I, I know we've chatted before. We got to do yeah. a nice series with you, I believe, during in uh, searching the scriptures in yeah. the Lutheran Witness a while yes. back. Yep. Um, looking forward to sharing your story about serving in Indonesia. And uh, I'm sure that the past year has presented some challenges as uh-huh. well. Uh, so yeah. tell us about uh, the, the community that you've been given to serve. Yeah, we live in, like you said, Indonesia. We live on the island of Sumatra. It's the largest um island of Indonesia that's completely under the control uh, of the Indonesian government. We live on the north part. It's called, well, we live in the northern province. It's not the the furthest north. That would be Aceh. And we serve with the Gereja Christian Lutheran, uh, Gereja Christian Lutheran Indonesia, the Indonesian Christian Lutheran Church. They have about 100 congregations on the island of Sumatra, and one congregation on the island of Batam, which is just south of Singapore, one congregation in Jakarta. Um, There are uh, 49 pastors, 100 congregations. So they have a, um, they're very lay-led, and they they serve some of the poorest people in Indonesia. That's a fact actually recognized by the Lutheran World Federation, and uh, also recognized by our, uh, some uh, Lutherans in Australia. The Australian Lutheran Church works with the GKLI too. Um, so they, uh, a tremendous amount of poverty, and they, are, they live mostly, their congregations are mostly in the mountainous regions outside of the city. Uh, but they have a tremendous amount of joy and a very strong desire to be to be faithful Christians and faithful proclaimers of the gospel. So tell us more about the work that you get to do uh, with the Indonesian Christian Lutheran Church. What, what is your role then uh, working in partnership with this church body? Sure. So our strategy in Indonesia is to strengthen the church there. It Indonesia is a... Uh, predominantly Muslim country, eighty about 89%, well, hold on, the most recent number, 86% of the population, 267 million people total, 86% of those are uh, Muslims. And we believe that if we work with a church and strengthen the church, uh, we will uh, strengthen the proclamation of the gospel amongst the population uh, of Indonesia. Now, uh, Indonesia is, you couldn't say that it's not a Muslim country in the sense that it does not have a Muslim government. It's a secular government, very much like uh, the US, uh, Australia, uh, it's a democracy, they have free and fair elections. 
But you know the, who who gets elected, and the the law in Indonesia is that missionaries are illegal, and proselytizing, especially by a, a foreigner, is illegal. However, it is entirely uh, uh, fine to to be a foreign pastor entering the country and working with a church body. And so that's what we do. We don't, uh, we're, uh, we don't uh, have to hide or uh, do the cloak and dagger thing that some other international workers do. We come in with a church and we uh, work with the church body to strengthen that church body. So I don't have a lot of the uh, super fun stories of uh, seeing, seeing, you know, uh, conversions happen before my eyes and having a lot of the uh, gospel proclamation conversations one-on-one with Indonesians. But I'm there to help the church be able to have those conversations. And it's, it's, Indonesia is a fascinating place because this is a story I always tell. Uh, we went through 10 months of language learning classes. And part of that is, is learning, learning the culture. My wife and I, uh, 10 months of language learning classes. And we were given the kind of the basic conversation that you have with a taxi driver or your neighbor or whatever. In America, especially in the Midwest, what's the small talk conversation? Weather. The weather. <laughs> exactly. The weather or maybe sports. <laughs> um, well, Indonesia, uh, not, not really many sports and the weather never changes ever. It is hot <laughs> all day and sunny. And in the afternoon it rains. So there's no reason to talk about the weather, but so this is their, this is their, uh, small talk conversation. First question, brace yourselves. How old are you? All right. Um, And then based on that answer, you ask, are you married? All right. If the person you're talking with says that they're not married, you you ask, uh, why not? All right. If they're they're married, you ask, how many kids do they have? If they say no kids, you say, why not? But along down this line of small talk questions, kind of getting to know you questions after you've talked about family and kids and education and things like that. Um, you ask, what is their religion? What is your religion? And you have a conversation about religion. And that's just in a small talk, kind of getting to know you conversation. Hmm. And so there are just immense opportunities for Christians to talk with their neighbors about the gospel. And we want to be walking alongside this church body and helping them teach so that their people are comfortable, confident, and able to articulate the gospel when they have the opportunity. And they do have the opportunity because religion comes up a lot. What's it like being an American facing so many questions that are so <laughs> not uh not commonplace in American <laughs> culture today, <laughs> you know, to sit in the cab or, or out, of, out in the street and have those questions addressed at you. And then, 
you'd, you'd get a bad Yelp review if you did that to anyone. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. It, it, well, it, it took a long time and I, to, to just start even thinking that we could really actually ask these questions to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, it really felt like, no, surely I can't just walk up to a woman and ask her how old she is, why she's not married, or why she doesn't have any kids. That, that cannot be acceptable. Well, it is. So uh, they're just, it, it, it took a lot of getting used to. Not, not being asked, you know, I'm kind of prepared for the, we were kind of prepared for the, uh, you know, the culture shock. I mean, it's always shocking, but, you know, we, we were prepared for that. But the, the expectation that if you don't ask these types of questions, you're really not assimilated into the culture and you're, and, and you're kind of looked at as those, as you're someone who being standoffish and you don't really want to get to know anyone or the culture. So it's not that you can ask these things if you want. It's if, if you want to have any hope of, of being embraced here, start asking these questions. And that, it, yeah, it, it took a long time to be confident <laughs> that we weren't just offending everybody. Indonesians are not easily offended either. It's, uh, um, as we were going through language learning classes, the, the teachers were constantly stopping and making sure we weren't offended as Americans because their view of Americans is that we are extremely sensitive. Uh, there's so many taboo topics and things that just aren't taboo in Indonesia. You just talk and say what's on your mind, go on your way. It's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds refreshing, actually. <laughs> it actually is quite, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more about uh, about the culture, the the people, the place where you live. Uh, what was that assimilation like for you and your in your family as well? Uh, moving to a new a new country, new culture. Yeah, it it was it was difficult. the the the, the biggest thing I think for us was that we just stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're just very pale white. And so absolutely everyone knows instantly that you're not from around here. And the people of Indonesia are, are extremely polite and extremely hospitable, and they love families. And so we tool around with our, with our three kids, and, and we draw a lot of attention, and people want to pick up and hold our kids and and that's all fine, but we just want to get to the store so we can do our grocery shopping. <laughs> so it, it, it took a little bit to be, you know, trying to find the line between we're in a new culture and we have to kind of let these uncomfortable things happen. But we also need to somehow find a way to guard ourselves and get to and, and get the things done that we need to get done. Uh, we probably don't navigate it perfectly, but we will get to re- relearn all these things again. Cause we, we, we left Indonesia in, in November because of uh, the, the Indonesian government shut down the immigration offices. Mm. They let us, they let us live there until our visas expired, but then they wouldn't renew the visas. So we came back and we're working on getting back in. So it's been six months now. It's incredibly frustrating, but, 
we're looking forward to getting back and uh, kind of relearning all that. Hmm. We'll learn more about some of the challenges that the Wood families faced in uh, serving the Lord in Indonesia. We're talking with the Reverend Matthew Wood and about his work serving the Lord in Indonesia. We have more to talk about here on the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're talking with the Reverend Matthew Wood. He's serving the Lord in Indonesia and uh, spending some time uh, stateside, as you're sharing before the the break, a little bit about some of the challenges um, from the the pandemic. Um, what other challenges did you face? What was it like uh, during the early part of the pandemic serving the Lord in Indonesia? Yeah, the early part of the pandemic was um, it, it was interesting because uh, COVID didn't didn't get into Indonesia until late March. Uh, most of the world had already kind of been freaking out about it. They hadn't detected it in Indonesia. Uh, until actually the the first cases were were uh, discovered, I suppose, are on our last day of language learning, and so we finished our language learning classes, and and the whole country went into lockdown, and it was it was a pretty strict lockdown, and so ministry at that point uh, became very difficult because we live in the city of Maidan proper, but like I said earlier, the the congregations and the pastors and people are are more out in the in the mountainous regions, and when the Indonesian government says stay at home, you stay at home. Uh, there were there were roadblocks and uh, flights were grounded, and and so everything we did was was online, but the 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 pastors and the people in the poor mountainous areas, they have, they have maybe one hand phone, you know, one smartphone for a whole family. And so it's, it's pretty difficult to do uh, that type of, you know, at home remote teaching that way. So what we did was we, we focused on one of our main projects, which is producing a hymnal in the Indonesian language. And I met online with our translate, our translator, and we just hunkered down and and focused on that. We got about fifty Lutheran hymns translated into Indonesian. Nice. So. 
tell us about, uh, speaking of hymnal, which is awesome, uh, tell us about uh, any bright spots or blessings that, that came about uh, working through these working through these challenges and having to kind of uh, figure out new ways of doing things. Well, the, the, the biggest bright spot, I think, is this, this hymnal project, which, which really was, it's something that GKLI has been wanting to do. And, you know, the project was always behind schedule because there's so much to do. And we had some, some time to sit and focus on, on that. So that, that was a blessing. And then brainstorming about how to reach people with, uh, you know, through the internet uh, is leading to some other possibilities of something like a podcast, which the churches and the pastors are looking into figuring out the, the logistics of all that. Another thing was we were, the, the LCMS was able to kind of, I, w- I would say, put up on the Christian, uh, put our money where our mouth is on the Christian mercy aspect mm-hmm. and show the, the church that, that we're, we're not here to just tell them what to do. Uh, we're here to listen to their needs and respond uh, to them. We want the Indonesian Christian Lutheran church to be, to be the, the lead here. Uh, and, and they have to be the lead because they're the church on the ground. Well, one, one of the things that we did was we came alongside and helped them feed uh, roughly three, what, 340 families during the early days of, of the pandemic. And so uh, that, that was a, an opportunity for, for the LCMS to, to just do mercy work and just provide, which was a blessing and I think went a long way to strengthen our relationship uh, with these, these Christians. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, after you mentioned a couple of things, I realized I needed to look like do a little geography study here <laughs> and look at the map and realizing that this is, it, it's like island life. Mm-hmm. So there, oh, yes. there, I wanted to get back to some of the, the, the cultural aspects of living in Indonesia and what that life is like there. So obviously I, I'm guessing with island life, it's not like um, cities with major highways and things like that, mm-hmm. but totally different culture than what most of us are used to here in the U.S., unless you live in a tropical region in the U.S., right. which there aren't a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, th- that's one of the things we're learning. Well, that's one of the things that that I realized quickly, and I don't know if I have my finger on it exactly. But coming from, you know, I grew up in Minnesota. And so everything, <laughs> islands has, to, everything has to get, no islands, but also everything has to get done before winter. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, nothing has to get done before anything in in Indonesia. Right. It's huh. summer all the time, and so there's just this, and it's always hot, and so there's a very uh, people Indonesians will throw around the word lazy, uh, but I, I I don't think it's a laziness. I think it's a, uh, a realization that life doesn't need to be fast pace. And so it's a slower, more leisurely way of living. And it's much, 
much more conversational. I mean, it all ties back with even the small talk conversation I was talking about earlier. You you want to get your groceries. You got to get your groceries. Yeah, but you, you got to talk to the cashier about how old she is and whether she's married first. You know, <laughs> um, so everything really is focused on these these relationships. You also mentioned highways. Yeah, there's no highways. It takes a, a, a trip from, uh, a, say, a two and a half hour drive on the freeway in America is going to take nine to 10 hours in Indonesia. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that's part of the, the challenges with getting to some of the smaller, more remote congregations in Indonesia. The other thing is 17, there's the, the actual count is 17,508 islands. Wow. And the people living on these islands, we're, we're talking over 700 languages. And so what happens is people are very tribal, not in a bad sense, but people are, you know, there's the Bataks, there's the Jawas, there's uh, the Mentawai and the Nias, and they, they're very comfortable very comfortable just being in their own f- tribes. And so that's one of the the things the church we work with is predominantly Batak. And they speak Batak. But they also realize that they want to be a church not just for Batak people, but for all people. And so there's an official language, Bahasa Indonesia. And that's m- most everybody's second language. And going back to the hymnal project, the hymnal is going to be published not in Batak, but in Bahasa, Indonesia. And that's a, that's a big move for this church. Uh, because in Indonesia, most churches are tribal. Most church, you know, the families to get, get together, they're all one tribe. They start a church. And so they speak their family language. But this Batak church is now saying, look, we need to produce resources, and this hymnal is one of them, in Bahasa, Indonesia, so that our people learn to think uh, uh, think theologically, think about Christianity and their religion, not as this is our tribal thing, but this is we're part of this Indonesian culture, and this gospel is for all of Indonesia. Mm-hmm. So. Now I'm curious about uh, the, the this church body. How does this church body um, reach into these communities with um, with all of the the distance that, that has to be covered in the mm-hmm. different languages? How does uh, what what do these pastors do? Um, you know, in day to day life to to bring the gospel to people. Well, and so Indonesia has your your cities, which which in the cities it's a lot like an American city, you're going to have to be much more intentional about getting out uh, through the relationships of your parishioners and through the people they know at work and, and conversations like that in the country though, there's still a lot of poverty. And so the church is seen as a place that can meet uh, bodily needs, can meet your just base needs of, of food and even at times shelter. And so the church is uh, the GKLI recognizes that their congregations in the country need to be uh, open and hospitable uh, to, to uh, the sojourner, I guess you could say. And that actually has uh, produced 
some gospel fruit in, uh, let's see, I always forget, in Kuamang Kuning, there was a congregation that this, these, uh, these people found themselves outside of a, uh, found themselves without a home. Uh, long story short, they were coming out of the jungle. Uh, their home had been turned into a palm oil plantation and they needed help. And so this Kuamang Kuning congregation taught these people how to, how to farm, where to sell their extra produce, and even uh, worked with the Australian Lutheran Church to, to build some housing. And through that, through, through being open to working with the people that weren't part of their tribe, who, who they didn't know, working with them in Bahasa, Indonesian, uh, they were able to proclaim the gospel alongside of those works of mercy. And 19, 19 adults uh, were baptized and were brought into the church uh, from that. And I think that's the type of opportunity that's going to be happening all around the island of Sumatra. Now I'm fascinated and I'm going to go <laughs> chasing rabbits, trying uh-huh. to learn all that. But this is great uh, to learn about how uh, the Lord is using you and uh, the church in Indonesia uh, to share the gospel. Um, how can we follow, how can we stay up on the, the Lord's work there in Indonesia? Well, I think the easiest way is we have a family website. It's called the seaside.asia. That's the C S E A S I D E dot Asia. No dot coms, no dot orgs, the seaside.asia. Uh, we chose that because C is an abbreviation for Southeast Asia, you know, which is where Indonesia is. So that has, you know, I've been a little lax in keeping up with the blog, but what that do- that does have is always has our current newsletter. It has a link to our Instagram. You can sign up to receive our, our newsletter. If you want to stay up to date on what God is doing in Indonesia, that's the place, the seaside.asia. Very good. Our guest today, the Reverend Matt Wood, serving the Lord in Indonesia. Thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Thank you. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Don't, 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 don't,